Welcome to the Happy Never After podcast. I'm your host, Mara Merrick, and uh, oh, I almost uh, poorly timed drinking water. I was following my guest lead. Rude. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we have in the house, uh, I'm going to say this is an expert episode. We have one, uh, you could talk, we have one episode uh, where we have an expert and then one where we have a comedian who's always a disaster, but maybe you'll fall under disaster territory. You, you, we do get along, so you don't you're have, probably a disaster. But doesn't does that not presuppose that all your experts are not disasters? Well, <laughs> we had one, Danny Forrester. Everyone, uh, you've seen him on TED Talks. You've seen him all over Moth, Moth, and Discovery Channel and Ooh. Science Channel. And Were you like one of those dead bodies? You're like, hold your breath, Danny. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, I hosted a show in Discovery. I know, for, oh, oh my God, I just got like wildly <laughs> embarrassed and like, demanded validation <laughs> for my career in the 45th second of the podcast. We haven't gotten through the intro and I'm already taking out my resume. Okay. This, this, this is, so I guess to answer your question about disasters disaster. versus experts, <laughs> that we have, we have solved that mystery and there remains to be... No question as to whether or not experts can simultaneously be disasters. Yeah, we had a life coach on who was great, made me wildly uncomfortable. Because I was, of the... Because, the yes, his interaction. He was like, well, it sounds like you're the problem. You're the constant. And I was like... <laughs> and then uh, after that, it was, I was like, have, having you on because you're an expert. And they were like, I fucking hate being married. I was like, cool, 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 cool. Solid, solid, solid. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll... Any, any questions that require expertise, I will pair it with some sort of clear illustration of an unmanaged life or something that demonstrates a lack of ability to manage a healthy life. <laughs> what is it that you do exactly? <laughs> That's a great question. Thank you. Um, uh, I, you know, I guess by day I'm an architect. I, oh. I have a, I have a, a practice. I, I build buildings in the city. I actually. Googled you a lot. Did you? Obviously. No. <laughs> yeah. A lot of research. <laughs> <dug in. laughs> as far as you're concerned, I may not even be an expert, frankly. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm an architect, and I, uh, for a lot of years, hosted a TV show about architecture. Cool. Um, made some films and documentaries, taught uh, architecture, uh, grad school for a couple of years. Wow. And, uh, but yeah, primarily the, the majority of my time is, is making buildings, well, and, and I tell some stories. <laughs> yeah, you tell great stories. You win competitions all I, the time. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a... That's the kind of a grandma statement. It's like, <laughs> he does amazing things all the time. And it's like, well, it's like Jimmy hasn't left the house in six months, but he's incredible at it. That's <laughs> <laughs> like a, a Jewish grandma, 180%. I'm trying to be encouraging and nice <laughs> to my guests before I take you down later oh, in the show. That's good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Good. Why aren't you married? <laughs> wow. Okay. okay, anyway, here we are. Can't, the, can't do the, the resume part. talk no. for any longer? Don't <laughs> no. do that? No, what Why happened to am you? I not What's wrong married? with you? Well, doesn't that... Isn't that question kind of just assume that that's like the only appropriate well, you said course I was of like action? A Jewish grandmother. I'm gonna go into it. Fair enough. My Jewish grandmother, were Ruth to still be with us right now, would be asking the very same question. Although it's funny, my my grandmother, who of course would want nothing more t- for me to have been married during her lifetime, was simultaneously the one to immediately like denigrate my girlfriends as not being good enough or not being Jewish enough or not being, you know, so it's like there really wasn't one that was ever appropriate, although I should be married all the time, just not to the one that I'm dating. Oh, got it. Um, and she lived to 96. So like she had <laughs> a, fair a lot shot. of years. Yeah, exactly. She had a fair shot to see me get married and a fair shot to really um, disqualify a number of different relationships. Have you only dated Jewish girls? No, I have dated Jewish girls, the 
large percentage mm-hmm. has been, but not exclusively. I think probably the there's probably a graph of the distance. The the closer I was to either being younger or tied to Jewish people in my life still being alive who hadn't kind of passed away yet, frankly, I think I was probably hewing closer to that. And as <laughs> people ceased to uh, live, uh, I think perhaps uh, my distance to that... Like your per- percentage grows with every time you lose someone? I think there is a, a percentage of distance from a kind of fidelity Fidelity to a sort of Jewish life, marry a Jewish person, live, a, you know, do that thing. Like I, I was bar mitzvahed as a kid, right? That was mm-hmm. seemingly kind of important. And yet, simultaneously, like the day after my bar mitzvah, I was like, "Mom, do we still do we still have to do this thing?" She's like, "No, <laughs> absolutely not." And like that was the last time I went to temple. Well, isn't that a very confusing life then? If you're not going to temple, but yet you still feel that social pressure to date a Jewish girl? Did sure. You- well, I think that like the cultural kind of Jewish cloud that hangs heavy over the majority of the city that you're, you know, you've probably encountered enough in your life. Well, um, yeah, I have to ride through the Hasidic neighborhood, which well, is a little different. That's but a slight subsection <laughs> of what I'm speaking to. Although my mother did grow up uh, Orthodox in Borough Park, like straight up. Oh my God! From the jump, but um, that's how I know when there's holidays. <laughs> Every time I ride through, I'm like, oh. But Got according it. to them, every day is a holiday. I mean, it's pretty intense, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it confusing? Yeah. I mean, I think there's the there's the the sort of the cultural thing where we all do our thing. But then, uh, I mean, look, if my mom had said to me, like, yes, learn this thing for the bar mitzvah, learn the speech, do the thing, and like do it for all of our friends and demonstrate that we raised you properly. But deep down, this is super spiritually powerful and will open your life to a higher power. Like that might have been an interesting conversation, but she didn't say the second half, right? <laughs> she just like go to the thing, learn Get the your thing. Gifts. Get it done. <laughs> you know, make sure you say the Haftor properly. I mean, I did it so poorly that I got, I didn't, I remember the, the cantor is the dude who teaches you okay. the thing you're going to sing. And they try to teach you how to read and write in Hebrew. And because okay. part of it is, yes, you're doing this thing, but in practicing for it, you learn to read Hebrew, right? Um, and I could, I just literally could not get my head into it. I was just a brutally bad student or whatever. <laughs> just like I wasn't interested. And he finally, like, it was like weeks before my bar mitzvah. And it's also a reflection on this guy. Because if I go up there and shit the bed, they're like, He's, they're yeah. like Cantor Benjamin, like this is your protege like, dying up on the Bima. That's Benjamin. stage. So <laughs> Bima, is, Bima stage. is stage. Yeah. Okay. So if I go on the Bima and I shut the bed, Cantor Benjamin's there with his guitar being like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's basically my coach. So, um, so he has a vested interest in my success. And so as I'm approaching the date of my environment, so, and I'm just like, you have these weekly sessions where you come in, you sit with him, you've got your like plastic folder with your laminated, you know, pages of your thing. And he'd be like, all right, let's do it. And it's like, you know, you can't fake not speaking a different language. <laughs> like, you can't. You can I took like, Japanese 101 yeah. four times. It's very clear. Like, do you speak yes. Japanese? And it's like, not no. A, none. And then someone says you the Japanese and you don't respond. You, I just blankly stare. Yeah, but it's a very clear binary thing. You do or do not speak a foreign language. And uh, so I didn't speak Hebrew or read it. And I couldn't read my half Torah. And so the, the, the clock is ticking and Kendra Benjamin's like, because now I can, I don't remember this specifically, but I can imagine that you know, his ego gets involved in the conversation because now he's got his stake on the line. So he... But then like, he starts panicking. He does. <laughs> and I remember that he did. He kind of looked both ways with like a s- sense of like kind of frustration, but also like, God damn it. And he like reaches into the side drawer and busts out like what looked like a secret tome, which was just another plastic laminated thing. But it was my whole Haftorah 
but it was phonetic in English. <laughs> so you got to memorize it. So I got to memorize Wait, did it. Did you bring up the English? Well, that is exactly where things turn south because <laughs> I memorized all of it in English. So yes. I could just say these words. I'm like chanting, but I'm just, I was like <laughs> Continue, deeply please. insensitive <laughs> to, the, to the Jewish people to speak. But, you know, so I just memorized it so I could just sing these things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're a kid and you memorize, you can kind of see when a kid is reciting something they memorized. Yes. Their eyes typically go up in the air at the back of their head. And they're like, yeah, and they're basically looking so as not to be distracted because they're reading a script that they've kind of imprinted in their brain. Anyway, so I get up there. It's, it's go time. I'm ready to go. And I should probably contextualize this. That also, like leading up to bar mitzvah, I was so afraid of doing it that I kind of got my stomach into a tizzy, like a little child anxiety mm-hmm. IBS situation. And It's very Jewish of you. <laughs> I wanted to be <laughs> consistent throughout the experience. <laughs> And it got, it got so bad that I sort of stayed home from school for like a couple of days. And I kind of got this weird moment. I was like, well, maybe I can just ride this thing out and <laughs> skip the bar mitzvah. And, you know, my, my parents, and this is actually sadly not a joke, they, they took a second mortgage on the house to pay for the bar mitzvah. Oh, my God. That's what happens. And so this party was not just for me. It's like a wedding for one, right? They were really mm-hmm. kind of invested in this thing. But I stayed home from school the whole week leading up to it. And it kind of became a thing at my school, like... You know, is, is he going to make gonna it? <laughs> and so, like, I was sitting at home watching TV all day, just assuming my bar mitzvah would never happen. There's a knock on my <laughs> okay. door, and like all of like the kids from my school showed up with like the poster board, like a get well Danny card thing, being like, you know, we hope you pull through. Meanwhile, I'm just kind of faking at this point. I wasn't actually even sick. <laughs> so my getting up on stage, there was like a little more of a buildup behind it. it. Was like, not only is he going to sing his half tour, it's like, will he survive? Like, it was like, <laughs> it was like he, he recovered from this. Terrible. He could shit himself at any moment. Right, exactly. (laughs) Intense early onset Jewish IBS, and he's there on stage. And so I get up there, and now I'd prepared to recite my memorized phonetic English Mm -hmm. thing. And it's like a 25 minute to do, it's like not a small thing. And so I'm standing there, I got my like oversized suit on with like the shoulder pads. I also was so little, I weighed like 89 pounds. So I was no head, all shoulders, like <laughs> shoulder blades from the from the suit, double-breasted, because that's what you put a 13-year-old in in 1990. Yeah, and, you had to um, make him look slim, you know? <laughs> I look like a... Anyway, so I walk out there, and I had forgotten about this, but you don't just go up there on the bima slash stage mm-hmm. and do your thing. They open up the vault, the... the what do they call it now? They open up the, the Ark vault. Anyway, and they take the Torah out, the actual Torah, like uh-huh. the ancient scroll, and they unfurl it. And there it is, the ancient text, like unfurled in this thing before you. And uh, they give you this thing, and it's like a, a wand. But at the end of the wand, there's a hand with a finger pointed, like a sort of bronze hand with a finger out. Creepy. And that is what you are meant to use to follow along as you read, going from... Uh, right to left, because in uh, Hebrew, you, Hebrew, you read the other way around. So, okay. um, so you know, in a sense, it's there to help you, right? To keep your because the other thing in Hebrew. Were there a lot of dyslexics in in your culture? <laughs> well, no. In, in in the in the defense of this bizarre hand wand, it's that way because in the Torah, there's no um, vowels or anything. So typically, like you use vowels to kind of see what your the, the vowels are located below the letter. Oh. And here, so it's just like a sea of letters. So anyway, this helps you follow along. So be it. 
So the guy gives it to me, this like Harry Potter moment, like here is your wand, young sir, here is the Torah, address the congregation, become a man, and chant in Hebrew for, for 25 minutes. And I begin, I just like launch into my prepubescent song and I'm doing it and I'm doing kind of fine. And as I'm kind of looking up and I'm like projecting, trying to memorize my thing, I also just have my hand <laughs> just waving back and forth because I'm not reading, obviously, because I'm just reciting what I memorized. But Cantor, no, so, so Cantor's on the left side just being like, oh, don't fuck it up, Danny. Oh, Benjamin. But the rabbi, who's kind of the officiant of the whole situation, yeah. sees me basically spray painting the Torah <laughs> with my hand, and that doesn't look right. So he comes behind me to help and grabs my right hand to put it on the appropriate word so I'm following along with what, that which I'm singing. But of course, that's very distracting because all I'm doing is reciting the phonetics that the cantor gave me to do. And so I'm kind of doing battle with the rabbi with my hand here, trying to memorize my thing. In the end, I got through it. I became a man. <laughs> at four, was, yes. At, at 13, it was... Some young age. It was clear that I had uh, reached manhood. Um, <laughs> but yet after no all No one's of, sure if you still have, really. Oh, uh, <laughs> just because I'm not married. <laughs> Yeah, but that was it. That was the last kind of uh, infused uh, um, congregation connected kind of religious thing that I that I did. Oh my god, we did everything. We had to go to. We did the same thing when we became altar girls. My sister and I. There's the where you go and you have to unlock. I don't know any of the names of anything. You have to go unlock the the bread and hmm. the wine. The sacrament. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. The body of and Christ. And there's like the the smelly stuff. What are the, what was that called? Uh, I can only help you so far. Okay. Uh, it stinks. It's like that. It's like ashes that are burning. What uh, denomination? I'm of? Catholic. Catholic. Well, I, I grew up Catholic. And then we, when we were 16, we had to do something else. And we went to school, like the camps all summer. The tongues. That was crazy. What tongues? You never heard of speaking in tongues? I certainly have. I didn't think that was a Catholic thing, though. That was more of a Pentecostal thing, I thought. Yeah, it was crazy. Wait, you did that? Well, I went to a camp, and it was happening. You grew up traditionally Catholic, and mm -hmm. your parents sent you to a Pentecostal summer sent camp? Sent us to like a non-denominational Christian overall high school. <laughs> we were very cool, is what I'm saying, in high school. I went to engineering camp and Christian camp. So you learned to speak in tongues and to do math. Yes, and uh, I don't use either, which is <laughs> <laughs> great. The premise of speaking in tongues is that you open yourself up to a spirit and then the spirit comes through you and through that you speak a different language. And it just seems like a lot of like owlish screeching. Did you do it though? No. Oh, I see. I just stood there and stared. So other people did it? Yes. Did they encourage like you to do it? Hand touching, like hands on the shoulders. And I don't like to be touched. And so even as a child, I was like, please don't. Nobody touched me. Like our parents didn't hug us or anything, so we weren't used to touch. And then all of a sudden, everyone was touching us. We're like, ah, <laughs> what is happening? And were they touching you to like to get the to like get spirit the into you and to help? God. Yes, I see. Yeah. And uh, were they disappointed that you didn't? Like, no, I don't think anybody noticed because we were just standing. I was very short, and everybody else was like leaning over, and I was just standing straight up. And I was like, what is what's happening? Can we get out of here? What time is lunch? Like, what is going on? Did other campers do it? Yeah. It was like a sea of kids and adults doing this. And so because they were all doing it, you probably didn't feel comfortable to grab one and be like, so <laughs> did that Did that really happen? Like, do you speak a foreign language now? Were you just you crying because you wanted to go home? Yeah, like, did you get any <laughs> feedback from them or nothing? No. Just like a wall of... Of like, crazy. Huh. Yeah. I was like, what were you guys doing? And I never asked. 
I wore uh, the first day of camp. I wore my to bed. I wore my pajama pants backwards on accident, and someone made fun of me. So for the rest of the camp, I was really quiet <laughs> that year. They're like, "Are your pants on backwards?" I was like, <laughs> "Yes, shit." And that was the end. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I that was that. The only- <laughs> I remember like the, that happened to me at camp too. I went to this camp way too young. My parents sent me to sleepaway camp for eight weeks when I was in third grade. Which I think is like what? That's pretty, so much. It's pretty aggressive, right? And I was an only child, so like my my comfort it's all level coming other, together. Uh huh. Yeah, right? yeah. So like my ability to socialize with other kids was like a very taxing exercise. Like I really had to like think through like <laughs> putting one foot in front of the other because then you're hanging with forty year olds most of the time, and only your two forty year olds, your parents, your right? Parents. Like you have a a pretty small window into how to comport yourself around other kids. So I get sent to sleepaway camp, and you know I'm like nervous and freaked out, and I'm doing my thing. And everything was kind of okay uh, until the day uh, I, missed, I guess, in error, told people that we're talking about my, our parents and my dad was a doctor, was a neurologist, and I'd mentioned that he had come from Poland and he uh, was an immigrant and, you know, became a doctor and that was a cool thing. But that was also like in the era of Polish jokes. Yes. Remember those? Yes. Where the butt I'm of every joke was a Polish person doing something stupid. Yes. <laughs> and that day, I mean, it was like that day was the end of my career. <laughs> like... I was branded as like, and then literally it was like short sheeting the bed, like <laughs> oh, full. No. no, and it actually, it, it culminates with getting injured where we were, we, we were fucking around uh, driving golf balls, fancy camp. And uh, <laughs> yeah. one of the kids, we were like, you'd hit all the golf balls and you'd go and collect them, I guess. I don't play golf, but that's what we were doing. And I was like bending over to get the balls. And one of the kids was like, ha like fake going to hit me and took the top of my head off <gasps> with a four wood, just clear, like whoo. Just cracking in the top Kids of the head. Kids are cruel. 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 Yeah. Trauma. <laughs> yes. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. my sister, uh, so my mom always made me hang out with my sister, and she's three years older than I am, and uh, so I was forced to hang out with all of her friends all the time, mm. and they were, I was a cheerleader, and I was only four foot seven when I was in high school. I was so little, I w- and then I was four foot 11 when I graduated, and they would just flip me over and carry me upside down with my cheerleading skirt on, so I'd be shoving my skirt up, and, and then they could just like dip my head whenever they wanted, because I was trying to protect my vagina, and also I was like just getting my head knocked down. Man. Wait, how tall are you now? 5'4". So that's... A- you have like a growth spurt in your thirties. Yeah, I didn't get my period till I was nineteen, <laughs> till just before I got married the first time. Is that all, is that a true story? <laughs> That's a true story. And when I was in high school, I told my crush that I didn't have my period because I thought that would be something he would want to know. Like, is this because you were like an athlete my, or something? You I'm were... not going to get pregnant. Oh, <laughs> I didn't have sex. But, <laughs> but that was the. <laughs> that that was he was the like, offering. okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, huh. So you were little. I was very little. Yes. Were you, you little? You were little also. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, was, <laughs> I, I was little. Yeah. When did you have your first girlfriend? First girlfriend. I guess the first girlfriend in earnest would be, well, what does that mean? Like the camp girlfriend or like girlfriend, girlfriend? You had a camp girlfriend? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, great? it's a sweet and sad story. I, I left that camp because, uh, I was, um, uh, Racially battered. Um, (laughs) So I didn't go back to that camp because Mm -hmm. I was beaten uh, because of my father's uh, country of origin. And (laughs) so the next summer, my parents, you'd think my parents would would be like, all right, enough with the summer camp. Yeah, Um, for a minute. They They were like, we need a vacation. We need to get the fuck away from this kid. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, we'll we'll just find a different camp. I don't even know why we had him. (laughs) Uh, 
They had like this idea of like, oh, we'll get a plant. We'll find a kid from school and send him with that kid because that way he'll feel comfortable. Yes. So they found a plant and they sent me to this other camp, which, you know, there's no Google back then, but they basically looked for like the camp that had like the like softest, most like everything will be fine. It was called Nature's Classroom. It was like so everything's great and like you're going to learn and it's not going to be stressful. Yeah, it was like, yes. a, a, like a trigger-free environment, let's say. And, I, and the, the deal I made with my parents was that... um. If, uh, if I was unhappy, it was another two months, which is insane again. But so a visiting day after the 30th day, if I'm unhappy, he'll pull me out. And that was a deal. Like, okay, fine. Go for 30 you're days. You're negotiating in fourth grade. If you're, you're not happy, okay. we're going to pull you out. Now, the mistake that I made the previous year when I was battered with a golf club was that I didn't give them enough forewarning. So when I finally got hit, they were Four. like, why? We thought you liked camp. Because I was writing letters being like, today we went and we painted. And that was fine. Help me. <laughs> exactly. So this time I had a plan. This time I would write letters every day describing how awful the experience was, regardless of how bad the day was. So I was actually required to write these letters where I'd be like, we went swimming and be like, we couldn't go swimming because the pond was polluted. Like, so I, every day I sent these letters describing just like the kind of like Baroque nightmare that is this camp, which is actually like a wonderful camp where I met like great people and had like a lot of fun. And so I sent 29 letters chronicling just this like abusive environment. <laughs> <laughs> I get to the dance, which is the night before visiting day. And, uh, and you know, like you can imagine what a camp dance looks like. It looks like a wall of boys on one side, a wall of girls on the other (laughs) side, and then a lot of waiting. (laughs) And, um, you know, and then slowly as the night wears on, people kind of, you know, grapple with their own versions of their fear and they go and ask a girl Mm -hmm. dance or vice versa. Uh, towards the end of the night, you know, a girl asked a girl, asked a girl, asked a girl, asked a guy, asked a guy to ask me if I like, you know, the kind of thing happened. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, this girl, um, asked me to dance. I went and danced with her and it was like. We made it to like, literally by the time we met, it was like the last bit of the last verse of Never Say Goodbye, Bon Jovi. And then the dance ended. So I only had like a... 10 seconds. Just a slim moment to stand in front of her, rocking back and forth with her arms, arms fully, fully extended. extended. <laughs> exactly. And, um, but that was it. That was like my, my girlfriend, you know, because at that age... And that's, then your parents came and took you home? So my parents came the next day and they were like, are you going to go? Are you sad? And I'm like... And it was kind of a weird moment because I... Actually, I boned last night. <laughs> I was in fourth grade. But they, but they were like, you seem pretty you seem pretty happy. You got this great bunk. And I don't know why you've been writing these letters. This place seems fine. Um, what do you want to do? And I like had this kind of like this, this choice to say like, do I stay and like follow? Like I have a girlfriend now. It's what everyone ever wants. Um, but there's like in my mind, there's like last summer. Like it's gonna happen again. Like at I'm some point, get my head taken off. Exactly. Yes. And PTSD. They're like, they like, so what do you want to do? So I was like, um, let's let's pack things up. What? It gets worse. So I start oh packing things God, up. Oh my God, you puss. I'm packing up the luggage. <laughs> you needed siblings. Tell me about it. <laughs> Listen to this. We get the luggage into the car. You turn the, around. The the guy, Greg Ginsburg, that my parents planted from school, went and got Lorraine. She shows up at my parents' trunk at the back of the car. We put the trunk into the trunk of the car. You, know, you bring a trunk to camp. And she's like, hey, last night was really amazing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next four weeks. <laughs> my mom looks at me. She's like, and she's cute. This girl had like, she's like cute. You know, my mom's like, what do you want to do? And there she is. There's my girlfriend. <laughs> What'd you do? You left. Oh, my God. You left. <laughs> what do you mean? This is why you're single right now. That was my first girlfriend. 
for 14 seconds. It's a very short relationship. <laughs> uh, Mine was Danny Packer, and we used to go downhill skiing, and Ollie would do, we, he would like torment me, and we kissed on the very last day of eighth grade, and he kissed me on the cheek and ran to his bus, and that was it. That was our whole relationship. He would take my skis off while we were on the hill and just on the lift and just drop it down, and I'd have to ski down with one. Ugh, I was like, I don't know if this is a relationship, but I guess it is. <laughs> like, it sounds about as long as my relationship yeah. from Nature's <laughs> Classroom, just for the record. Did you ever have a bad breakup? <sighs> what was your longest relationship? I've had a couple long relationships. I've, I've had a couple, five. Are and, you in a relationship now? I am, yeah. I've had a couple of five and six year long relationships. I've had, I've had a relationship. I had a, my, my girlfriend from high school, uh, we dated senior year and then we not strategically ended up applying to and then getting into the same college. And so you didn't know that? No, we were both applying to multiple colleges, but then I don't think either one of us told the other one that we applied early to the same school. And you both got in. And both really wanted to go. And then had to do that thing where you're like, we should break up before college because this is an early, you know, we're young and that weird, which is such a weird thing. And then you show up and you're like, oh, you're on my floor. <laughs> and then I show up and she was on my floor. You're kidding. So I'm telling you exactly what transpired. Oh my God. So I was some, just making this yeah, up. No, some completely fucked up sociology student must have been seeing, oh, how can we break Danny's freshman year of college? <laughs> oh my God. And they put her not just on my floor. We were put in like the, like the most like raucous party dorm. We were on opposite ends of the floor. And uh, and we broke up like two weeks before going to college, and we're on the same floor. <laughs> and because this was a ridiculous um, East Coast uh, liberal arts college, we had co-ed bathrooms. And so I will never forget the morning I got up on a Sunday morning, and then uh, went to use the bathroom and brush my teeth. And there was like someone who I didn't know from the floor, and I was like, "Hey, what's up?" And I like, continued brushing my teeth. She and, f- and then he walked out, and I walked out, and I walked back to my door, and I saw him walking down the hallway. <laughs> Going into my ex-girlfriend's room. (laughs) (laughs) That's still pretty, like, we're not like, oh, my gosh, she tore my heart out. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, You never had one that just, like, broke you? Have I had one that broke me? You don't have to be so strong. You can be vulnerable. No, I appreciate that. (laughs) It's just you and me here. Safe space. (laughs) Safe space. Um, Have I had one that broke me? No, I don't think I... uh, broke me. I mean, there are relationships that, I'll put it this way. I think uh, they have, everyone that has ended has been extremely painful, but I think that they have ended because the relationship wasn't being supported by either me or the other person. So like, I don't have regrets about relationships being over. Can you give me a specific example? Um, a specific example. Um, I would say that... <laughs> I'll put it this way. This is slightly more general, but we can, you can you can dig into specifics. I would say that I I think especially when you grow up in a kind of chaotic environment. Um, what do you mean by chaotic environment? Really, any kind of chaotic environment. Did you grow up here? Yeah, in yeah. New York. Yeah, my Brooklyn originally, then grew up in Jersey, just over the George Washington Bridge. Do you know how to ride a bicycle? I do. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Just a weird question. Raised Keep in going. the suburbs. <laughs> okay. Um, but if you if you grow up in a chaotic environment, I think uh, relationships are very appealing as like a safe space. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and I think Nurturing. the kind of the kind of analysis you put to deciding which one you want to be in and why 
when you're not in one is not the same analysis that you apply when you're in one. Do you feel like you overthink everything? Sure. Okay. <laughs> but this is, this, is, this is after the fact. So this is, this is, this is retroactive analysis. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that like, the reasons that you get into a relationship may be to avoid being alone, feeling like that will, take, that will fix problems that are inside of you, mm-hmm. right? So I want that because that will fix me. Yes. Save saying nothing for the fact that the actual dynamics of the relationship with the specifics about that person or that or what I specifically want. Mm-hmm. So I will. I have found or what you actually need. Correct. Yes. The truth is, you know, you don't need a relationship. There's nothing about need. I think it's. I'm a, sorry. What? <laughs> well, I don't think you need a relationship. Who pays for dinner then? <laughs> I just. Ooh, I love food. <laughs> you don't need a relationship. With that. You can date happily with that, but but you take my point, right? Like the the. Uh, the reasons they get it. So it, you know, it's, if, I guess my point is if, if you're making selections to fix a problem with yourself, mm-hmm. needless to say, once that relationship is going on for some period of time, that problem doesn't get addressed with that person. So all of a sudden you look at the relationship like this thing isn't working. It has nothing to do with the relationship. I think I spent quite a bit of time uh, going into relationships. Uh, you know, I think that often the term can be used taking hostages, right? <laughs> you kind of like grab someone because you're not okay. Or, or you're you're not dealing not not okay, but you're not you haven't done some work that you need to be doing, right? And so the relationship feels unsatisfying because you've asked it to do something that it, it can't do, like it's it's yes, you know, going going to the hardware store to buy oranges, right? You will always leave unsatisfied. <laughs> like where some weird Home Depot. Sometimes they have like Twizzlers, and you're like, why? <laughs> it is true. There is occasionally <laughs> inside the store. <laughs> there's like a small food and beverage yes, outlet. You're and like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So there's uh yes. So I would say that. So I, so that's why I wouldn't. There's no, I wouldn't, there's no disaster column. I don't think. Have you ever been in like a big fight? Sure. Why don't you want to share? I, Are I'm you happy, nervous? No, I'm happy to share. I. It's funny. Like I, I do have a weird feeling about. I mean, I've shared my second. You might not have listened to all of them, but my before my second wedding, I stressed myself out so much that I split my colon and rectum straight down. They had to laser it, and I had to do sit spats and put on ointment all through my honeymoon. So I've talked about that. I've shit myself on a date before. You know, like we share here. We're a sharing podcast. Bring it. (laughs) I'm happy to talk about anything to do with pooping. It doesn't bother me. uh, In fact, I I had a funny experience with my proctologist last month. (laughs) You had to go last month? No. (laughs) Yes, I did. What? Are you enlarged? Did you you have to cough? Are you okay? Everything's fine. Okay, good. I'm worried about your prostate. Well, everything's not fine. The, <laughs> oh, truth no. is, the truth is I don't know if everything's fine. What do you mean? Because he wasn't able to do his exam. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, it's kind of, <laughs> so it's a, it's a really interesting example about uh, codependence, I think. I, uh, Were you holding both of his hands? What happened? So I had to, um, so I, I had some discomfort. So I called the doctor. I was like, you know, have a look, see how things are doing. And uh, so I went and I'm doing my thing. And the day before, I was just, you know, just trying to be respectful. So I like, you know, had a normal diet, didn't like have like a chalupa or something. Like <laughs> I just didn't want to like rock the boat, as it were, you know, keep it, keep it. Well, maybe that would have like cleared things out. Maybe, but I wouldn't be able to time that. So, yeah, so anyway, true. morning of, I go to the, get ready, brush my teeth, go to the shower, get real clean. Just want to, <laughs> out of respect for this guy who's like spends a lifetime in like a not so savory environment. Yes. The least I can do is, is help him out. Yeah, just like do my part, you know. So I'm. Um, I've thought my 
tail end has been dirty for the past two days. Turns out my hair's just growing back. I was like, well, I cannot clean it enough. Oh, and then goodness. I was like, oh, I got waxed. That's right. What a detail. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Undeniably specific image. <laughs> um, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Getting your asshole wax. Anyway, continue. No. Good to know. Uh, the so, only part so that doesn't. <laughs> I was, you know, wanted to just be like fresh and clean and I go to the, and I'm about to leave the house. And as I'm about to leave the house, I'm like, oh. my stomach. Oh. But then I was like, I don't want to be late. You know? Also, I don't want to like, I've just showered. So everything's like <laughs> clean as a whistle. I don't want to like undo what's been done because yeah. it's so well put together. So I go there and you like. You want I'm, a rusty whistle. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm on the train. I'm like, mm, wow, that's, that's a hankering for <laughs> an action to be taken. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to pause on that and just brace you know even though they go inside look i'm not a <laughs> biologist right so i get i'm an architect <laughs> so i get to the the doctor's office and i'm still kind of grumbling i'm like ah, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna send that one back i'm just gonna tighten it up and uh that never so works I, I get it well yeah it's true and they're talking to the guy and i'm like now at this point i'm like kind of stressed out because i like i really just need to say can we pause I, mm-hmm. but like i don't want to like do that and then not be like fresh and clean and like so like my like i'm like completely caretaking for the doctor's experience at this point <laughs> much at the risk of my own like getting a proper when opinion all of your health is determined usually through like collecting they look at it yeah. the consistency I, everything my so father they would probably... my mother was a nurse oh, just yeah, to that's be clear true. okay so uh, you know yeah no i'm fully in control <laughs> of the it. information I'm, I'm acting uh in opposition to my well-being and so he's like all right should we put on the the robe and do the thing and i'm like yeah so, you know, you put in the robe that's open in the back and he has you line the table with your scooch with your... Yeah, with your butt and, towards yeah. him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, let's, let's get it going. He's like... And he's just about to start and he's like, yeah, listen, there's <laughs> not much I can do here. You're, you're ready to pop, buddy. Like, what, what are you doing? He's like, are you... And then he looks at me with like a... Re- and I'm like, of course, as this is about to happen, I'm like, count down to five, four... Three. Like, I know what he's going to experience. Like, it's, I'm just so ashamed. I didn't do anything. I'm just saying that. <laughs> he, he, uh, he's like, I, uh, I can't, uh, no room to park the car, dude. Like, I can't, I can't do the stuff. You're, uh, you're, that's what? what? The garage is full. <laughs> yeah. No more. And, uh, and he looks at me and says, uh, are you not, can you, can you not feel this? And I'm so embarrassed <laughs> that, that I've allowed it to go this far. Like I've, You're I've, like, no, I can't. <laughs> oh, no. So he thinks you have some sort of like nerve damage back there. So he prescribed me with nerve damage. <laughs> and I sat there in his office. I got dressed and went to his office and spent 15 minutes having my disorder explained to me. <laughs> Where you have nerve damage in your colon and you're unaware of when you have to go to the bathroom. You're like, you're like uh, sweating. You're like, cool, 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 cool. Can we hurry this up? I got to go home and go to the bathroom. Yeah. Not only that, I left with, of course, like zero information on my actual <laughs> medical, medical condition that I went there to see him What's with. wrong? Tell me. See the doctor. You just have... Bowel issues, huh? When you're, when you're, you know, you're over 40 years old, when something doesn't feel right, you go, you get it. You know, that's the, <laughs> when, when you get older, it's like, you don't have to fall and, and hurt something to go to a doctor. You wake up and something hurts because you're older and you just have someone look at it to say it's not cancer. My doctor always, so I did this bike ride across the country and uh, I got hit by my follow car. <laughs> 
she, everybody knows this on the podcast, but uh, my chain fell off and then my feet started spinning, but they were stuck in the pedals. And so it was too fast. And uh, I was going up a mountain in Pennsylvania. And so I just fell over quickly and she was too close and she just went boop, boop, right over me. The car ran over you? Yes, but it's a lifted Tacoma. So it was, it just hit the tire and kind of pinned me under, but I hit my knee really hard. And I went just like three, four months ago and I was like, it still hurts. And she goes, so let me get this straight. You've been back for a year. (laughs) I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And she's like, you're just coming in now. I was like, well, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about an IUD. So I just thought, do two things. (laughs) Yeah. And you have health insurance. Yeah. Right. It's just such a pain. I know. You go, it's like an hour. You sit with the sick people in the room. And then you want to eat something while you're in the waiting room, but then you look at the sick guy and you're like, oh, now I'm not hungry. <laughs> it's like a, I like to be efficient about things. I like to eat places when I sit, like get anywhere. <laughs> you're like, the doctor's waiting rooms don't serve lunch. So I'm I haven't like, gone to the doctor. How many mints can I have? Six? I do like the mints. Team? <laughs> when, <laughs> I had to get a, a, a colonoscopy a couple of years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, they, uh, you know how that works? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty intense. That, yeah, that process. Yes, you, you know they make you drink the thing. You should. Yeah, we should. There should be like a, an island for this. Like you just go. Oh, for like, like a, four or five days. Right, because the you process, drink the drink. Well, then you have a couple days of shame. But no one and tells you, go you back. <laughs> but they don't tell you until they give you the drink what's going to happen. Yes, like it's very specific and very deliberate. <laughs> like there's not like a maybe. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> It's like when you take an Ambien, you are going to be like asleep or doing something silly in seven minutes, T minus, and like that's all you have. That's it. Yeah. Like, and they tell you you have to drink every last drop. Yeah. So it's a whole process. So you, you don't are, need to drink every last drop, I don't think. So you become, I don't know. I did. I mean, I followed the directions. I mean, I so. did, but I was like, it was like, I was still mid drink and I, it was oh, already yeah. ha- And I was like, I can't, I don't want to drink anymore. <laughs> it's like, so effective. Yes. Like sometimes you take antibiotics, you don't get better. This always works from what I can tell. <laughs> no one take that drink and is like, yeah, nothing happened. I don't know. Didn't work for me. <laughs> but you know what they don't tell you? Uh, and this is so terrifying. I walked in. I had to, I had like a 7 a.m. appointment. So mm-hmm. I get there and I'm sitting in the waiting room. And then you know, they start really early. There's like a 6 a.m. guy. And some guy who just got out is walking in and they kind of plop him down in front of me. And he's still coming out of, you know, you go under. So he's an anesthesia. So he's kind of like... You know, a little goofy, and so he's kind of getting led by the nurses, and he plops down in front of me, and I'm sort of looking at my fate because that's going to be me in an hour, right? So you get to sort of see what happens when you come out of the magic room, and he's there, and he's like kind of like you know, he's a little goofy and slow, and he takes out his iPhone, and it's really cute, cute to watch. He's holding his iPhone in front of his face, and he's just slapping at it because he can't he can't punch in the code because he's so high. So there's this poor guy just slapping the phone. I can see that sort of like a sad baby face because he can't open the phone, and he's high still, and he's playing with the phone, and then. All of a sudden, he lets out... The biggest fart. An operatic fart. <laughs> yes. But like, I mean, like movie style, like 12 <laughs> seconds. Just this, <laughs> this this amazing noise. And of course, he's totally shame-free because he doesn't even have control <laughs> yeah. of his faculties. So he's sitting there trying to open an iPhone, just like brazenly farting in this thing right in front of me doing this. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh my God, that's going to be me in like an hour. So, you know, for those who don't know this, beyond this, like, drink, which evacuates you, <laughs> in order for the scope not to, I guess, cut you because you're so emptied, mm-hmm. they fill you with compressed air. Yeah. So as to create enough volume yes. for the camera to have free space not to bump either side. 
So my uncle used to be the dean of West Point. No. But his successor was a four-star general, right? And uh, he had to have one. And I was 16. And he's my godfather, not that guy, but my uncle. And uh, and so I'm 16, and I'm there doing marathon training and uh, going through the mountains, hanging out. He's got a really nice house. And so he goes, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to pick up this general Oh, from his colonoscopy. <laughs> yes. You picked up a four-star general after his colonoscopy? Yes, because he didn't want anyone else to witness. Oh. Yeah, and he was he, like... <laughs> interesting, because he didn't want to be seen as weak in front of his men yes. for farting aloud without yes. his cognition. So there I was, 16, <laughs> sitting, driving this guy home in the back of like this van, and uh, he just kind of looks at me, giggles a little bit, and then lets <laughs> it go. <laughs> and, I was, and I used to have to take manners classes, so I, you know, I would sit right. up. And I, you can tell. And uh, <laughs> <It's> stuck. <laughs> so I was like sitting there. I was like, this is way off base. <laughs> from, yeah. Yeah. He just uh, was like little girl giggling away about it. But he they was should... aware. Oh, he was aware. I mean, like he was like yeah, like. Right, but he wasn't yeah. ashamed. Like, no, like your, no, your, no. Your sense of like social comportment's out the window when you're coming out of, of like when I got out, like they wake you up and you know you go under. You know you don't have a colonoscopy because it's Tuesday. You go because something could be wrong. <laughs> wrong. Like you're yes. trying to find out if you have colon cancer or right. who knows what. Right. So when I woke up, the guy like the the nurse sort of walks me into the doctor's office and he's like, "Hey, just want to let you know everything's totally clear. You're fine." And I'm just like, ah. I just started like <laughs> sobbing because anesthesia can also make you very emotional when you come out of it. So like I was bawling, like just thanking him. And my dad was a doctor and had the same sort of like office with all the chachis and stuff around. And my father had passed away recently, and so this guy was being paternal, and I got emotional, so I'm sort of sobbing to him. And then the nurse kind of walks me out of his office to sit me back in the front row, in the in the front row, what is that stage, into the waiting room. Uh, uh, so I could be the next illustration of what philosophy will do to you. And I'm walking by like the nurse's station. I was just like, thank you. And I'm like crying to them. And I'm like, oh, I'm so helpful. And so not only was I the next guy who couldn't open my iPhone, I was just blubbering and emotional and quivering. Oh, man. They don't give you, I mean, I don't know. For me, no one gave me. It was like, okay, we'll check your colon. Also... <laughs> <laughs> these these seven, things could happen yeah, to you. I, no one warns you. I didn't get warned. Yeah. I once, uh, I think my most embarrassing moment, I uh, I got hit by a car on my bicycle. You mentioned. Sh- or is this, sh- a, this another? Is, <laughs> I've been hit eight times. Okay. Uh, but I shattered my pelvis. This was like the big one. And you had to, you have to go in like a full body cast and then you kind of graduate down. And I had to have one of those compression garment things. Oh, yeah. uh, to tighten it all up? It, yeah, just to like hold everything in because I had pins. I had 17 pins. And so... When you get hit by a car eight times, do, do you say, this is something that I'm doing? <laughs> no. Like at every... It, it, with the eighth one, you're like, oh man, no. these fucking cars. <laughs> no. Like at any point in the process, do you I'm say... I'm never like, this was my fault. This is me. No. You don't. Nope. Truly? Truly. You literally feel like these are eight situations whereby cars have behaved in a way that was problematic each and every time. Listen, I've been engaged... And broken engagement seven times. That was me. Okay. <laughs> this part's me. You own that. Yes. The cars hitting me situation, definitely them. Okay. 100%. I'm just asking. One time this kid, he was 16, driving his grandma to, to church, San Diego. I don't know if you've been, but it's, uh, you go down these hills, it's all one way. And he was in the middle lane and I was all the way over to the right 
and he needed to turn right fast. So he just turned mm. and I flipped over his whole car. So that's him. It's on him. That's him. I was, for this one, I was missing a little pothole. So I just kind of swerved within the bike lane and this woman got scared and turned towards me and threw me into a tree. So also her. I got a lot of money for it. It Did you really? Yeah. Did you go to court? I didn't have to go to court. She just panicked. (laughs) Yeah. The insurance paid me like $340,000. Yeah. I used it to destroy my first husband, but yeah. So money well spent. (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) Worth it. (laughs) Sound investment. (laughs) But I go to the hospital. (laughs) Was the guy at Merrill like, yeah, you should definitely spend the money that way. You could <laughs> he was like, either you could put it in this mutual uh, fund <laughs> yes. or yes, this Roth IRA, always a safe bet or, and then he had the, <laughs> he had the alternative plan. Yeah. He was like, your husband, that's going to end up really fat and marry a porn star. You should probably ruin his life. So I was like, yeah. What could you do to him that he couldn't ultimately do to himself? Well, I, uh, if this is well-worn terrain. Feel free not to indulge me, but I'm just curious. Well, he remortgaged some of my homes and, uh, well, he was a fucking a notary public. And so, uh, he used all of my information and got another mortgage and then falsified. Do we still need to have notaries in this world? I don't think so, but I think this is like a very Midwest thing. So funny. It's like, (laughs) it's like, well, I traveled for work, so I was really not around and I let him stay home. So anyway, he was having a great time. He got his pilot's license. He leased a plane. It was like he was taking all of my hard earned money and enjoying it. Spending it. Yeah, it was great. I mean, yeah, I got tits, but that's it. I mean, what is that? Six grand (laughs) out of the millions, you know, whatever. So, uh, when I was buying my very first brand new car, Mm -hmm. Uh, the finance manager, which is what I did. I read finance uh, packets for car dealerships. And uh, he's like, your debt to income is very high, but you have a very high income, so it's okay. And I was like, wait, I have I have debt? <laughs> and then he showed me, and then I did a lot of research. I didn't react. I just did a ton of research, paid off my house, and then I spent uh, the next six months like strategically not paying his things so that he would never be able to rent a... An I apartment see. or you, you get uh, a home. Hurt his or, credit. Yes, or buy a car. And or that's what the funds went from the pelvic car I paid crash? off one of my, yeah. Wow. I helped my dad out with one of his businesses also, but yeah. Yeah, I was like, I could. <laughs> Either take all this money and then start a new life or destroy this one. And I was like, I picked the latter. <laughs> Slash and burn. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in this compression yeah, sorry. suit. Yes, it's like half cast, half compression, right. still on pain meds, kind of loopy in and out of it. And uh, I walked in and <laughs> they like put you up onto the table. And then the doctor like physically pulled away and he goes, you know, you can wash this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't walk. <laughs> like what? That's impressive given what they encounter on a daily basis like to make that comment you have to rise above a threshold of disgustingness because i know it didn't encourage me to shower every day because i don't you showed him right i'm like ha like i spent three hundred thousand dollars screwing over my ex-husband i'll show you anyway i'm super fun to date uh speaking of where did you meet your first where did you meet this last girlfriend how long have you guys been together i don't know this this is crazy. I, you know. Is this new? No, no. How long has it been? Uh, a couple of years. 
Okay. Do you guys live together? Yeah. Okay. Did she move into your place? Did you guys get a new place? Did you move into hers? She moved into mine. Okay. Yes. Did you allow her to change anything in the house? Um, um, yeah. Liar. <laughs> Did she? Yeah. Like what? Well, um, so. <laughs> uh, you have to let her make it her own. No, I agree. No, and, and uh, uh, she, she too is an architect, so has a strong oh, point of nerds. view. Oh, God. Why architects you should, nerds? You should have, because you're all math and symmetry. <laughs> Those two words literally have little to do, to nothing to do with what we do for a living. See, that's, here's the worst thing about being an architect. People think, A, you have to be good at math. B, you can draw. Listen, or C, that you're rich. I read Ayn Rand, The Fountainhead. Yeah. Okay? I know how you guys are. Yeah, that's a story just for your <laughs> listeners who haven't read that book uh, <laughs> uh, of an architect, Howard Rourke, who designs this building, right? Mm-hmm. This beautiful building. And it's this modern glass, sort of really beautiful, abstract contemporary building. And his clients decide to change the design by putting on classical ornamental stuff that he mm-hmm. doesn't like. And, and for your listeners, do you, do you want to tell people what Howard Rourke did when his clients compromised the integrity of his design? He took it away. He destroyed it. He blew up the building. Yeah. So it's a story about an uncompromising architect whose belief in his work was so singular that when the client asked for a change, he committed an act Which of domestic terrorism. Which is how terrorism. you guys all are. You see what this I'm saying? This is what I say. So it's like... <laughs> you guys... No, I, so I, 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 I take a little bit of an issue with the fact that people think architects are either like math nerds, which they're not, or they think that we're like some wacko, uncompromised artists. Their only main reference is either Howard Rourke from The Fountainhead, um, I think uh, Woody Harrelson in Indecent Proposal, which is weird, and um, Keanu Reeves in Lake House. Who was... There was an architect that... Uh I was just reading about him. I get up at 3.45 every day, so I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's... Glad you brought your A for this interview. <laughs> I know. You have been putting me to sleep. Uh, no. <laughs> the, uh, what's his name? Who? Famous architect? Name some farm- famous architect. Frank Gehry? Nope. Um, Two-syllable last name. Two-syllable last <laughs> name. Liebeskin has three. Uh, is is there a building a very, very great career. He would only hire apprentices. He wouldn't pay them. Frank Lloyd Wright? Yes. Sure. Not two syllables. Mm, I mean, well, if you add in the two words. <laughs> well, there's another weirdo. Uh, I mean, you know, he built all these houses and then built a compound for himself. First, yes. uh, His first com- compound called Taliesin uh, was burned down by the maid who murdered his wife and four kids. What? Stabbed them all and then burned them in the compound. And then he then went to Arizona and built a second compound and started a whole new life. Did he hire her back? <laughs> yeah, she came. She did like an amazing souffle. He's like, I can't, I can't. Very frustrating what happened with my wife and kids. But please join us in Talias and West in the second compound as we rebuild. Uh, no, he had a totally insane, traumatic, horrific wow. nightmare. Like burned an entire like mansion compound house with people, murdered everybody. And then he like rebuilt his life and like, New wife, new kids, new practice, new business, and move down. Is that why you architects don't get married? I have always been afraid. <laughs> my, uh, what's your? Do you have? Do you not want to get married? Um, the older that I get, the uh, the importance. I'll put it this way: the importance 
of things that are, let's say, societal or traditional or mm-hmm. sort of have some meaning from people other than me become less meaningful, right? Like if you asked me at 42 if I wanted a bar mitzvah, I probably wouldn't organize one for myself today. <laughs> at 13, under the yoke of my parents, yeah, I had a bar mitzvah <laughs> because I lived in their house and I was 13 years old, right? So I think um, the the motivation to get married in the traditional sense of doing a thing for some reason, doesn't. I don't have a strong pull. A committed relationship and a partnership and like all the things that come along with that are certainly exciting and interesting, but like the trappings of a wedding does not seem interesting to me. My, I had a family member get married and her parents had to sell their home and then they bought a much smaller space just to pay for their wedding. And I was like, right there was a turn. I was like, why? Yeah. Why? I I, I mean, I can see the value of a public declaration of a relationship and Mm -hmm. some shared values and some shared ideas that you want to communicate to other people for the sake of some sort of sense of accountability. That's all great stuff. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, But, you know... Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, Stop skirting around. Where did you pick up this hussy? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I adore you. I don't know what your name is or anything about you, but if you have to put up with him, I'm sure you're a gem of a human being. <laughs> bless, bless. <laughs> takes a, <laughs> takes a lot of patience. <laughs> A lot of acceptance, <laughs> a lot of just like... I just imagine you having like a morning routine. What What does my morning routine look like? Just real quick. What, time, like what time does the alarm go off? Talking. Stuart Small, I remember he would like sit in front of the mirror and be like, gosh darn it, people like you. <laughs> I imagine that being part of your day. So I start with morning affirmations. Yes. <laughs> Me in front of the mirror, wearing a sweater. If she comes in the room, you're like, I have to start all over again. Yeah. <laughs> well, so now I have OCD and codependence, just to be clear. <laughs> So I'm Stuart Smalley, and for those who don't remember that movie, Stuart Saves the World, SNL character, Al Franken, so very great. funny. Yes. He was an Al-Anon, came from an alcoholic family, and he would sit in front of the mirror and give himself affirmations about being good enough and smart, smart enough, enough, and gosh, gosh darn, darn it, it people, people like, like me. me. <laughs> so that's me in the morning. I'm saying affirmations, yes. and I'm OCD, because if I'm interrupted, I'm halfway through my process. Yeah, you have to brush your teeth before... Right. Your affirmations and also after breakfast. Right. Yes, it is an important part of your day. Light switch goes on, then off, <laughs> then on, then off, then the affirmations 17 begin. Seventeen times. <laughs> that so just it's great. That's so that's the vibe I've given off so far. So <laughs> that's like that's what you've taken from this. That um, just from you, I know Danny from the gym. That's true. Yes, it's <laughs> a client yeah. of my, also my trainer. Yes, and a good friend of mine. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Shane. I know. Paying off. Yeah, we both look great. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Crushing it, Shane. <laughs> so based upon, this is good feedback for me. So based upon what I've said thus far in the podcast, slash you seeing me at the gym, that's what you've taken away. Yes. <laughs> what about, no, this is, no this is, I shouldn't even do this, but what about the way I behave at the gym leads you to think that I am doing morning affirmations in the mirror and uh, brush my teeth twice. Sometimes when I come and talk to you and I would like to waste my minutes, you know, not working out myself, right. uh, you get mad and you're like, this is my hour. And I'm like, you're being selfish. I, I actually, here's the thing. I actually agree with that. Whoever did that, I'm like, yeah, good for you. But wait, I don't even think I did that. You're saying that when you come over and talk. That's how I feel. To, to See, ah, see, now we're getting somewhere. I don't think if you've ever come over and talked to me at the gym, I've been like, hey, it's my hour. I have to stay focused. I feel like you feel like I'm communicating that, but I don't think I've communicated that. Well, maybe you should check your body language. Maybe you need your Stuart Smalley mirror in those moments because I'm like, ooh. Because you're like, uh, Shane, back to me. I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. 
And I'm like, this is the second time that you did this. You should know what you were doing by now. Interesting. So I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm demanding the attention of my trainer, or the, the focus of my trainer. And that I want to paid for. That I paid for. Yes. And I want to keep other uh, uh, interruptions out of the safe space. Yes. Interesting. When I'm just trying to tell a story. You're right. You have like, you're like, I'm at the gym and I'm not working and I'm not enjoying this space. <laughs> I'm going to join someone else's space and, and chat And with interrupt them. their yeah. moments. Yes. I'm interesting. <laughs> huh. I was like, okay. That's always when I check out. Now, for what it's worth. Now, I, I take, I bet you, I, I'm, I'm not contesting your point. That's probably, uh, I'm sure I behave that way. But as a trainer, mm-hmm. would you not love your client to be like so committed to that hour that like they want to keep blinders on and keep killing it and not have distract? Like, for example, may I mm-hmm. ask how it feels if you're like giving uh, a client some instructions and they're like, yeah, let me just quickly just check a text real quick. Oh, it's their hour. Also, I don't care. So uh, they can waste <laughs> it as they so. No, really? No, no, no. I care a lot. I care you too are. much. I like have to right. calm down. On but my wouldn't caring. you be fired up if they were like super engaged in that process and like wanted to be like locked in with you for that hour? It really depends on my mood. Right. <laughs> if I'm like some, I have a client who close talks, oh, and wow. I, and he's like, okay, now what do I do? And I'm like, uh, uh, take two steps back and just do what we just did over again. And then they ask the whys, and I'm like, can oh, you well, just do well, it? The why is not going to get you in any better no, shape. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> like you're stalling. Just do the exercise. Yeah, the beauty of working out is like. No matter whether I get it or not, it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> you don't. You have no routine. You come in when you can. Me you personally? Ha- yes, correct. Oh, this is actually, oh man, yes. this is about me? <laughs> this is about you. I have no routine. Wait, no, right. you don't. <laughs> you come in, you have a spurt, spurt. of consistency, yeah. and then Danny falls off the planet. Oh, you can always tell when you come in. I go, Danny, oh my gosh, hi. Because I've been gone for a bit. Yes. That's true. <laughs> that feels terrible. I'm sorry. Well, it feels particularly terrible because in my mind, you know, when like a kid doesn't want to be seen, so they like just hide their eyes, <laughs> yes. but everyone can still see them. In my mind, like if I vanish, I just assume no one would know. No, we notice. No, but you guys, you notice. Yes, because there's not very many clients that we really actually like. Oh. <laughs> Shane actually likes me. I don't know if Shane likes anyone. I like... A lot of Shane's clients. <laughs> I always come home. I'm like, hi. And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like there's uh, one client who goes to Brazil every month and gets plastic surgery. And he comes back and has the best stories. And I always just sit by him. And he's like, and then and he's like, fuck my husband, because he wants he's like, he doesn't give me enough sex. And he just wants me to be loyal. And I am loyal. And then two seconds later, he's like, so I was fucking this guy in Brazil. I was like, <laughs> you're lying. <laughs> To your husband. <laughs> uh, and I always am, Shane is always the one who was like, wait, can we, weren't just one second ago you were talking about how you're trying to be loyal to your husband? And he's like, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, we don't actually. <laughs> I, I don't do that. I don't, I don't come to the gym after my, when I'm gone, by the way. You haven't shared anything on this podcast. I'm not in Brazil hardly. getting plastic surgery, just to be clear. <laughs> I got Botox in Mexico. Is that a, a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, first of all, it was super cheap. I, well, I mean, I think that goes without saying, but <laughs> it was yeah. great. It was a hundred bucks. No one goes uh, to Mexico for the more expensive <laughs> plastic surgery. <laughs> well, normally I go here and it's six fifty, and, uh, they barely do anything, which it's what like, do you mean? they just do like t- 12 little injections right here, which yeah. is nothing. Like you can do up to 55 and I do 12. In a, in a sitting? In 
one, this little space, this little space right here. For the listeners at home, I'm she's referring to her my forehead. 11s. If you get Botox, it's your 11s because uh, you have two little muscles right here that make an 11 when they pop out. And right? yours are, have been relaxed for some time? For Since I was 22. You've paralyzed them since you were 22? Correct, yes. They live in I a constant migraines. state of chemical paralysis. Yes. I get migraines, so I get it here, and I get it all through my head. Got it. But now, you would never know. I'm 82. <laughs> you know what I mean? Great. So, <laughs> thanks. One marriage per year. <laughs> so, uh, I go there, and here in the United States, they put anesthesia in the Botox. That's why it takes four to seven days to set. Also, it doesn't hurt. Also, they use a tiny needle. And I'm like, you don't have to ice me up. I love to hear the crackling. It's pretty cool. Just poke it, poke me. Do it. There, I was hiccup crying. They had to bring in an extra nurse to hold my face down. From the pain? Mm-hmm. Of the needles going to your head? There was like a needle, and then they would start pushing the poison in because it's straight Botox. Yeah. And it felt like someone was holding a knife and then hammering the knife into my head. That's what it felt like. And I was like, <laughs> pouring tears, pouring. Was it worth it? I mean, look at my face. I can't move it, but it's there. <laughs> and it was cheap. Er. Yes, it was cheap. It was great. So, did, uh, pardon my ignorance. So, this is now, you have like, what, a couple of months with this before you got to re-up? Six. Six months. And then... <laughs> and then, then I'm ugly again. And then, and then I have to <laughs> lift. Yes. So, yeah. So, what's going to happen? So, everyone is going to get older. Because there's that thing. There's that, there's that line of people who started doing plastic surgery before this stuff mm-hmm. and those who were after. The one who did before looked like the duckbill platypus situation yes. where you've got the, the thing, you know, all those things that we recognize in older yeah, and actresses. Like, and it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. that's before this technology was invented. Then there's the after, which is the folks who are doing this situation. Yes. Which is either the numbing or the filling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so what's going to happen in 20 years? Everyone's just going to be... I won't know. I'll be dead. Why? I don't want to live for a long time. I feel like I have $6,000 in my savings, and that's going to take me... <laughs> ride the six Gs out till next Tuesday. And then, <laughs> then I'm out. <laughs> you don't want to grow old? I don't know. I'm not... I don't deal well with um, aging. With, with decay or with uh, the passage of time? Decay. So it's it's specifically like an optics and vanity thing. You don't 100%. want You don't want... These things to go. Yes. Now. I know I'm not going on much, but it's, and I know I don't shower, but that is all intentional. <laughs> but, but that's, that was my question actually. So, so the, the decay of the thing, is that because decay is bad or is it because you, there's such attachment to the thing today? Like you're, you're so, you are so happy with where you are at that the idea of losing it is so painful. Uh, it, I feel like it would just make me regular. And you feel not regular because of these. Yes. Except, so I went to this uh, esthetician who gives me facials, and she, I was like, yep, I'm turning 52. It's my birthday, actually, today. Happy and she's birthday. like, Mine Thank was uh, you. on the 19th. Oh, we're Christmas babies. Our parents fucked on Christmas. Uh, I know you're Jewish, but they didn't go to temple. Whatever. New Year's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. You just came out a little early. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, she, I was like, I'm 52. And she goes, oh, yeah. And I was like, I was kidding. I was like, oh my God, she really thinks I'm 52. I can pass her 52? Fuck my life. And I was like running at the window. You know, I was like, I'm going. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't, and I just, I just had a birthday. Uh, I just turned 42. Eh. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you're a guy. I know. It is it true. It doesn't matter. It's not fair. You get it? to grow hair on your face. I know. We grow hair on our face. We not, have to take cute. it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Yeah. No, it's true. No, but the decay thing is kind of interesting because isn't there, I don't know, maybe this is a guy thing, so it's not so, but there, there is something like the beginning of not, I don't want to say not caring, but having a little less attachment to the meat suit. There, there is like a little bit of joy in that, no? Uh, I mean, obviously with 50 needles in your face, no, but no. like, I don't know. Okay, so I trained these four 70-year-old women for 70? A 70. Well, they're all in their 70s for a Spartan race. 40 miler. 40 miles. I couldn't do that today. Right? These women were badasses. Uh, throwing the spears, doing all the <laughs> obstacles, everything, right? So we get to this one um, area and I've, and I, where I can like meet up with them. And I was like, you guys are killing it. Your time is great. Blah, blah, blah. You're way ahead. Are you okay? Here's waters. And they're like, let's take a selfie. And I was like, yeah, cool. Okay, this is fun. And then they start... Pulling out, I thought they were pulling out their phones. They had like a hairbrush and lipstick mm. and everything. I was like, wait, what? What the mm. fuck? I was like, when does this end? It doesn't end for us. The guys, they don't care. They don't care at all. I had another group of dudes that were there and one guy was like crawling underneath the little ropes and this, uh, and he fell. And then the other guy takes his, his uh, shorts, moves it to the side and just dips his nuts on his head. And he goes, no, you got nut mud. No, you got nut mud on your head. Nut and I was like, this is the men versus the, <laughs> the yeah. men versus the women. <laughs> and I was like, why do you, why are you carrying lipstick? You should have like a, a electrolyte packets back there. Not lipstick. <laughs> what? I was pissed. I was I'm like, sorry. just run. Not mud. <laughs> <laughs> just focused on that guy. who's like 40, 38 miles into a race. And has the wherewithal like, to pause <laughs> and dropped his testicles on another guy's head. <laughs> like moved his shorts to the side. Yeah, that's a choice. I got the uh, the recap uh, after. So is that bad? So those women are, but they're like, they work their ass off. They train, they get all hardcore. They're doing this thing. And yet at the same time, they still have some like clinging to some vanity stuff. Yeah. Is that bad? I don't know. It's, I mean, it's okay if you, I mean, people can do whatever they want. If they want to wear, I don't like that there's so much encouragement to wear so much makeup all the time because I do feel like women are the more beautiful species, you know, we're the better sex uh, physically to look at. So why make us feel so bad that we have to cover it up so much with makeup? And you can use makeup. It's a fun expression, but I feel like there has to be some sort of balance. And it's kind of like eating, you know, like your nutrition. Mm. Like you, we shouldn't make everyone feel so bad about how much they eat or what they eat. It shouldn't, there shouldn't be so much focus. This is why our brains get so fucked up. No? I don't disagree, <laughs> but I'm like a 40-year-old white guy. <laughs> I have like, I have zero seat at this table. Every... I'm not allowed to have an opinion. And I shouldn't have an opinion, no. by the way. Like I, like the, the, the terrific systems that have been like forced upon you are all of our making. I know. White men. And uh, they're all awful. And uh, I shouldn't even have an opinion on the subject, frankly. I was talking to someone about why I don't share, like George is my boyfriend. Share we, what? Uh, share food or oh. share. I don't like to share things. Okay. And uh, okay. we went to Mexico and he wanted to share everything. Like he would take, he would just reach over and take. And mm. I was like, where, uh, what, what kind of supportive family did you grow up in that you could just like share? I was like, my family, if you, if we went for seconds, my mom would be like, oh, really? Hmm. Because she was... Judging your, our your, your weight and yes, your body, hundred percent. And she'd be boy. like, she would like do the 
the pinches all the over. The cheek thing? Yeah. And she was like, oh, it's a little chubby. And I was like, I'm four. <laughs> like, what? Did she, she did that? Yeah. So uh, now the I think. The marks remain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And I was like, oh, maybe because my mom was a cunt. You know, like, oh, wow. <laughs> I don't talk to her. She'll never know this. She oh, might listen, she doesn't to, listen to the podcast. No, probably not. She's she still alive, though? She is, yeah. But she's not in your life? No, not for nine years. Nine years? Mm-hmm. Detached? 100%. With love? No. Without love? You don't have to love the parent that births you. No, I agree. No. You don't have to. Mm-mm. It's not required. Nope. But you don't really. What about your dad? He's so cute. Oh, that's sweet. You have a relationship with him? I haven't talked to him. Now he's retired now, so... So we stopped talking. <laughs> I don't have any place to call. I used to call him at work, and now I can't call him. And he also... Um, he said that he's deaf, but every time I f- speak to him on the phone, he can hear me just fine. My Uncle Aaron didn't get hearing aids. <laughs> he didn't enjoy his wife. Yeah, my dad doesn't have hearing aids either, but I also think he can hear. Because if I'm talking to him on the phone and he's answering me clearly, he's got to be able to hear things. Does he live here? No. Where does he live? They live in, they just sold my childhood home in Michigan. They're moving to Florida to live in a tiny house. They used to live on separate floors and now they're going to move into a tiny house they live on sep- They've been married for like 30, 40 years and, mm-hmm. they, and they live on separate floors just because they want their own space and whatever? Yes. Or have they always lived on separate floors? They've lived in separate floors since we moved out. Like to, they don't have to put up with the facade anymore. <laughs> but yet keep the institution going and keep the house going. Yes. They don't like each other at all. Like my mom said to my niece, my niece was like, don't you just love Poobah? That's this whatever. And uh, which is hilarious. Like he's a meddled military. <laughs> They're like, Poobah, you know. That's <laughs> your dad? Yeah. And she's like, don't you just love him? And my mom goes, he's all right. I like him. And I was like, oh. You say that to my niece, but they stuck together. Yes, very Catholic. My dad went to seminary school, and you don't talk to her, but talk to him. Well, I haven't talked to him since he retired. Why does his retirement have any impact on your communication? I can't. I'm blocked on his phone. My mom blocked me. Your mom blocked you on his phone. Correct. But you've got email and text. I mean, there's ways around it. My no? dad no? does okay. not have email. <laughs> so your mother is actively keeping you away from Correct, your father. Yes. My dad had open heart surgery. And my dad asked to borrow my 13-year-old niece's phone to call me. (laughs) It's real fucked. And this has been how many years since he retired? Oh, he just did in April. Oh, so it's been just in April since Mm -hmm. she's been... Mm -hmm. Well, she was actively trying to keep us apart forever. That's, That's her move. Like when we were growing up, we didn't go to, to go to my dad's family's house because she thought my dad's family was the devil and we couldn't go. And then my, like my dad had an affair with the person he actually loved that my grandma wouldn't let him marry. And it broke my mom's heart. But my grandparents were kind of supportive of the affair. Your grandparents on your father's side. Correct, yes. Yeah. So then after that, no one, we couldn't go to that house. Because they supported his infidelity? And because they deep down thought he'd be happier with that person? Right. Were you born at this point? Yes. Were you, uh, do you remember this? Five, I was five. Five. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, I don't remember. I remember going to my grandma and grandpa's house when I was young, and it, like the rooms were weird. I was like, why is this room purple, and then this room is pink? Oh, we have to go outside now. We don't get to stay inside. They'd be like, get out of the house. <laughs> 
That's all I remember from growing up. Just the colors of the room and being shooed out of shoot the house. Shoot out of the house. <laughs> I mean, wow. it was fun outside. They had a pool, but like inside was a no-no. We didn't get to go in there. But yeah, it's very strange that my parents even stayed together because my dad didn't even live at home for a year then when they when they found out about the... But you'd figure, uh, and pardon me for asking about your life, but if if you, they live such separate existences since he retired, I'm surprised that she has so much sway over his phone or blocking you from, you know, that, that she can kind of... My mom is really aggressive and my dad is very much uh, accommodating. That was, the, that was the dynamic my parents had too. Yeah, really? Mom was... She just ran the show. She was just super in charge. Just fuck shit up. Just like, <laughs> like, don't mess with her. Like, my dad was just incredibly chill and yeah. accommodating and... Enabling and supporting, but yeah. But enabling. I Yes. I was like, had we played it a different way, maybe things would be different. Maybe you'd be happy. Maybe all your kids would talk to you. I don't know. Like, what about that? It's so, just kind of strange. So what's the plan? The plan is uh, keep existing. I have no, a but I mean with him. Did you have a plan? To talk to him? Yeah. Like, do you, do you I, I think they're moving next to my other aunt and uncle, so I could call my aunt and uncle and talk through them. Is this very hard? It's a... Uh, Are you I close mean, to your dad? He chose this. He, he cho- chose to stay with my he mom. He chose not to leave. Correct. Yeah. Like, he could have taken us all out of that situation. 20, 30 years ago, you're talking about. Correct. Yeah. And we would have been, you know, maybe I would have had, like, a regular job and, you know, been in an office and been able to sit down, you know? <laughs> what a life that would have been. But, uh, no, he, he was like, let's let the monster live and we'll just do everything around her to make mm. her not explode. You know, just like keep the peace. Yeah, but know. it never worked. They're going to explode. Or if they don't, you grow up walking on eggshells that the damage is done just the same. Yes. It's, yeah. It's crazy. Like I just had Lindsay from uh, Bravo TV Summer House on and she said the same thing about her mom. She was like, you'd never know. And like all of a sudden she just disappeared. And her dad did take her out of the situation. Like she lived with her dad and it kind of gave me the parallel doors where I was like, oh. Oh, that's what that would have looked like? So it really didn't change your path. So then do you then take on the trait of the kind of codependent codependent enabler and that's like the role that you play? Like you are the... 100%. Okay. so I can make any anyone that I'm in a relationship with famous, rich, wealthy, whatever they have in their brain as far as I will make that happen for them and I don't want to ever fight so I keep everything very chill. And so having agency for yourself or making choices for yourself feels selfish and you don't do that sort of stuff. Right, which is... The therapy that I went to, and I don't do that anymore. <laughs> what the therapy was to break that pattern? Yes. To, to start to have... Break that pattern, break the pattern of me uh, attracting married men. Like, I was totally disgusted by married men being attracted to me, but it happened so often, and my therapist was like, this is you. And I was like, ew. <laughs> it's kind of like cars being attracted to hitting I you. I know, but that's not my fault. No, it's not your fault. I am very aware of my fact. Cars and married men are just magnetically yes, drawn to collide with you. Really just take and me hurt out. your life. Yes. The same thing happens in both cases. <laughs> your pelvis gets shattered. It's rough. Yes. So uh, that is uh, what we talked about me and not you. And I tried to get you to talk about you this whole fucking I'll time. T- I'll <laughs> tell you. Here, look, let, me, let me give a little backstory. That I feel like. And it's, it's, yes. a, it's a very. I just have to add a little more time on my parking. But continue. Okay. Very candidly, I think that, and this is coming from someone like, right, I, I, 
I hosted a TV show and desperately wanted to be on TV, right? Which mm-hmm. is inherently like a, a, a public thing, right? Yes. So I was like yearning for that and happy to do that and all the attention and accolades that came from that. Mm-hmm. But like I am just brutally uncomfortable with whether it's social media or it's and any- your social media is very bland. It is very bland. <laughs> I accept that. <laughs> and and uh, it and is. It's like it's very corporate. Corporate. Yeah, look at your social media. Oh my god, corporate. <laughs> it's like there's there's no insult worse than that. Cor- it is. Your social media is corporate. That's like I'm trying to find the right analogy, but that's like <laughs> eviscerating. It's not eviscerating. It's just a fact. It's not a big deal, you know. Yeah, I uh, yeah, but I think it's a it's, maybe it's not generational because I but I, I just have like just like. Are you afraid of what people might think of who you really are? I don't know if it's that because I feel like really present with like my my friends or my community. I just think this like the notion of broadcasting it feels somehow I don't know. I feel, <laughs> I feel uncomfortable with it. You shouldn't feel uncomfortable. I think. Um, Oh, I can't park there. Oh, I'm just going to get a ticket. Uh, fuck sure it. it's okay? Do you want to pause? No, no, it's fine. What am I going to do? Run down to 9th Street? That will be a greater distance. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think... What do you think? ...that there's something that you are not sharing, obviously, because you won't share. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, do you think it's like your childhood getting hip and being Polish thing that you just don't want to share your personal feelings or your is. personal... No, I, I, you know, I think if it's... You know, I think if it's me, I'm fine. I think actually invoking other people makes me uncomfortable too. I think, I think the, uh, like, the idea that someone else, just because they participated in your life, have somehow given consent for you to like share their part of the story, mm-hmm. somehow that doesn't it seems seems like the I don't know. I sort of feel like it's like a, a nice shared NDA that like people in relationships ought to have. I, I keep getting in trouble because I share too much. I mean, maybe it's not trouble. I mean, I don't know what the backlash is, but like, like I've... Well, he doesn't want to share... Who's like he? Little, my boyfriend oh, doesn't yeah. want to share little things with me uh, because... In, in fear of you talking about it. No, but yes. that's... So that's like his, his comfort level. So, so what's your point of view to that? That he should like chill out well, or he, get over I it? I told him, I was like, when I met you, I was doing this podcast and you listened to it and I was very open and you should have known that this... So, if you ha- are a big part of my life. Right. So caveat imperator, right? <laughs> Buyer beware. Yes. You knew, you knew what you, you were getting knew. into. You had all the information and therefore you should expect that. So I think that's, I think you have a fair beef in that conversation. Yes. I mean, you were very transparent very. and to think that he would get together with you and then you would change is to set a relationship on really wacky footing. I.e. it will be better when she's different. And I, so I have, uh, everyone's probably noticed, I have pulled back quite a bit. From talking about your partner specifically. Yes. And like the little funny things. Because we kept breaking up. Oh, well, that's uh, exhausting. Yes. And so I would be like, that fuckhead and here, blah, blah, blah. Here's all of his stories. And, uh, but of course they were exaggerated because it's my perspective after I'm being wounded. So it's well, like. Ugh. So that's kind of my point, right? I just feel like all I have is my point of view and my side of the street. And as soon as I invoke someone else, I'm projecting me on them and what they think. And so, and like, maybe this isn't actually a fully kind of thought through idea, but I just think that, yeah, I just think that people who are in my life or have, who have been in my life, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if it, if I'm entitled to, to talk about them, especially, well, yeah, you can talk about your experiences within I that. My, yeah, sure. And, and I think I'm comfortable doing that. Ish. <laughs> 
Uh, like I share how I'm still in the relationship, even though he kind of cheated a little bit while I was gone on my bike ride. Your present relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so case in point, mm-hmm. like for your listeners, he 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 is aware of this indiscretion, and obviously, I'm sure he feels bad about it. And you guys are working that out, and mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, and uh, that indiscretion is now public. Mm-hmm. And those who didn't know about it, who bump into you two together, are carrying this information. How does that play out? I think that we cater to people outside of your relationship too much. I think because we keep putting on these, for instance, I have this client who uh, was trying to get pregnant for two years, had a baby uh, earlier, and then wanted to have another one. And didn't share any of her struggle with her friends or family. And eight years later, I'm training her and we're talking and she's, her husband's not around. And he tells her, you know, she's unhappy at her work. And he's like, you can be a stay at home mom. And she's like, to who? This child has already right. gone to school. And it's great. Like, I'm, and I, tra- and then she just like vomited. And I was like, why didn't, did you not share any of this? Have you been holding this for eight years? Like what? This is wounding to your body. You're going to get IBS. You know what I mean? Like it's going <laughs> to going to kill you. And I think because we want to put on this facade, we want to make everybody else comfortable. It's okay to share your problems. Yeah. You can't say it to be malicious. Like you can't be at a dinner party and be like, "Well, he cheated on me." <laughs> like if somebody's paying sure. him attention, you need to share it in a learning way. Or like this is the struggle yeah. that we're going through. No, I think you're right. I think. Uh but I think it's interesting. I, th- I think you're right. I think sharing your experience, I think my point of view about my life is mine to share, and that's mm-hmm. that. And I can answer questions about that. I think invoking other people to me, something still doesn't feel okay. <laughs> I, no, I think, I don't know. I just think about my, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe uh, I mean, I am, obviously, because the world broadcasts every, you know. You're too proper. Uh, you're like, you didn't get to, you didn't go to the manners classes like I did, y- but you went the opposite, just like I did. <laughs> now I'm like, Here's my little life. You know, I did go to manage class. You kid. did? It was, oh called, it was called Barclay. <laughs> and we learned how to like do like a cotillion dance. And we learned how wow. to put the like the napkin in the thing. Yes. It's all like, the different, like the fan yeah, napkin and yeah, the go- yeah. 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 Ours was uh, covered in, it was called cooking. 8 to 8.30 every day. And then mass was 8.30 to 9. And then, or no, it was flipped. We went to mass and then we went to cooking. But it was only the girls that went. I have another thought, too, about the personal divulgence idea, though. I also think that, uh, like, you do stand-up, right? Mm-hmm. So, and stand-up is inherently about your life, right? Mm-hmm. You're sharing your life. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, grist for the mill, because that's, like, the content that you're, that you're talking about, yes. right? Like, as, let's say, as an architect, frankly, like, my relationship to my clients is not intimate. I like, feel like every one of my relationships is very intimate. I know, but that's kind of a problem. <laughs> no, what I mean to say is that, like, I used to have that with, like, all of my clients. Like, everything was, like so important and significant and these relationships will like, transcend the boundaries of like, you know, it's like, oh, right. but like, that's actually kind of, that's kind of bullshit in some respects. It's also not really healthy either. Like, cause I can't, those relationships don't have rules anymore. They're kind of like messy. Like they yes. can, like sometimes. Well, they, I told you before we came on, I am considering firing a client because she doesn't have any empathy and, uh, she's very strict about her schedule and I'm like, schedules change. So when she tries to change her schedule, last minute and she's like please don't charge me and reschedule and let's reschedule I'm like and then I'll baby talk her I'm like this is why I try to have you be malleable because 
life is like this and I will not charge you this time, but understand mm-hmm. that when I ask you for a schedule change, it's because someone else's life is having an important shift and I'm asking you to just make a tiny adjustment. But it's hard to have those conversations if it's all boundaryless and messy and kind of... I right. know she's having a tough time now. I'm st- completely separating right. her, and it's very professional now. And then and she, she doesn't <laughs> like those healthy boundaries, no. right? She wants it all to be super intimate. She wants to be the most special client who has yes. flexibility she's with like, the rules. I'm going to be your favorite, is what yeah. she said. I was like, you're not even close. First, first, <laughs> yeah, but like first, first therapist I ever went to, and I was like in my early 20s, I was like sitting there, and like I could tell, like, oh yeah, I was like the special patient, and it was so important to me that like that relationship was like different from her other patients and any kind of like she's an only child too. It, first <laughs> off, none of that was true. It was all my fucking in my brain. But yeah. my point is like that was important to me. Mm-hmm. That kind of like specialness of that relationship, and I think that I'm just getting back to like so with like clients or people in my life, like they don't know a ton about my life, mm-hmm. and I'm happy with that. I actually, I don't mean to say like I'm withholding, but I'm saying it actually helps me have boundaries with people who like frankly, don't get access because like... Well, I felt like I was so cut off from everyone before. So and you course correct. Yes. So you're course and correcting so, like a motherfucker. Yes. Right. And I would just shove it way deep down and then it would just get stuck in there and make me cry at weird random moments. Fair and I was enough. like, you know what? I'm just going to start sharing everything. Do it. And I think that's, that's obviously epic and people obviously enjoy it and hearing <laughs> like all of the... The warts and all madness <laughs> is is incredible, and but but yet, like I'm actually be curious to hear your thoughts. Like as you have tuned the quantity of information about your partner, mm-hmm. right, based upon feedback from him, mm-hmm. you made an adjustment. Yes, you made an adjustment because you believe that we have a long-standing relationship, and I respect his requests. And if it makes him more comfortable, you have to listen to them and we actually had a fight about it. I was like, I've been making adjustments and not sharing and you haven't made any adjustments by sharing. Like you're not sharing anymore. Like schedule wise, I just I'm like, are you working late tonight? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, you definitely know. Just answer. What does he do? He's a, an executive chef at a couple of restaurants. Uh but he's working too much. And uh it was I mean, he really is. He's going to run his body. He's going to die if he keeps this up quickly. It's How long have like you been together? Two years. Same. But for me, that's very long. <laughs> I was married for 17 days. So, like, this is a long time. This is like 20 years, you know? This is forever. And he's never had, like, a long-term girlfriend. Oh, so you, you're, both in well, your, you're both in new territory. <laughs> We're both way over our heads here. Yeah, poor guy. I have been adjusting things in his house that he doesn't even realize. You live with him? I've been staying with him for this month because I Airbnb'd out my place for the summer and this is the last month my roommate fucked somebody in my bed so I was like, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to stay with George. How do you like cohabitating? Uh, uh, I It's okay. <laughs> I'm very clean at home. Like, Me too. It's like spotless. It, I can't do any work unless everything is in its place. He is like a, between midnight and 4 a.m. I don't know what happens. It's like a tornado. He comes home at midnight. He comes to bed at like 4. And then I, he's, there's something happens out in the room. that, And I wake up every day. I'm like, great. So in my normal nap time, when I come home from my crazy day, before I do comedy at night, I'm cleaning again. And so I'm like, I think this is exhausting. <laughs> yeah. My kitchen is a, is a space for Virgo discharge. Yes. Like all of the feelings get put into a place. The plate is clean as it ever could be. It has the perfect location. It has a little slot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. No, it's hard to do. All this, like, all the cohabitating life 
partner thing is like, you know, there's, challenging. there's a, like your parents are not like killing it with a model for you. No. Like you don't have like, a, I mean, they, nope. they chose to live on separate floors of a building. Yeah. And they, uh, and my mom cleaned everything and my dad never came inside. So it, that worked for them. And George comes in a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he, like, he'll eat nuts with like a, a mix and there's like seeds and there's a trail of seeds everywhere. And I just walk in. I'm like, what? Now, do you get into a weird thing that it's his, like it's his house. So therefore he's entitled to make it a mess and, or has, has, has that sort of like, um, turf war kind of bullshit stopped. It's, I never started that. I always just, uh, I say, this is who he is and I'm who I am and I can control it by vacuuming. <laughs> what an incredibly <laughs> healthy approach. Yeah. I'm like, he's tired. You're in control I, of the vacuum cleaner and your yeah. desire for cleanliness and he's not in control of apparently his ability to be clean, no. but that's okay actually. Yeah. I, I am, I do take pictures sometimes because I, it's like, <laughs> just to like, how did you do this? <laughs> right. I cleaned his couch and I picked up, the, uh, there was like a full pumpkin seed mess below. And I was like, what? Do you eat them or do you just store them? Are you like a squirrel? What's happening here? <laughs> He's like, I don't even know how that happened. I'm like, well, I have, an, I, I have a couple of theories. <laughs> just didn't put them into your mouth, but you kept walking <laughs> and then chose to ignore the detritus in your rearview mirror. It was just crazy. Uh, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very hard. It I think hard. it's very hard. I have lived with multiple partners over the years and have uh, struggled in various <laughs> ways in each of the various scenarios. Oh, my God. We have never, so George and I never had like poop talk before. He thinks women don't do it. Yeah, it's just important to lock the door and just, you know, have your safe space. Yeah, but we, I mean, he, I would be like, I you don't keep the door open though, do you? No. Okay. Fine. <laughs> I mean, I would, but but don't. <laughs> no, no, no. But I had like hum. No, I've never actually farted yeah. in front of anyone ever or any like it's I'm very private about that. But I got very sick before. Yes, you mentioned eight pounds. <laughs> eight pounds, three days. So Solid. good. Solid. <laughs> very liquidy, but uh, <laughs> both ways. It was so bad, and I was so sore. And then I finally went to the bathroom in Mexico, and I was like, I'm bleeding. I think I'm bleeding. And he goes, come here, let me look at it. Oh, he did that? See, that's good. That, that was, so, so, uh, so it was like, the door was open. <laughs> yeah, I, I have in, most, in the past, I basically would like have something terrible happening inside and say nothing. <laughs> just, just say nothing. Like the doctor moment yeah. where you're like, I'm just... Yeah. Not only do I not tell my girlfriend I've got problems, I don't tell my doctor. Can I just pay the copay and leave? Can I just pay the copay? Go. That's basically how I left. I was like, just what's the copay? She's like, and the prescription. I was like, it's a prescription for a disease I don't have. Just please let me get the fuck out of here. He's prescribed nerve ending damage that I, I, I just I just need to go. Actually, before I leave, where's your bathroom? And then I need to leave. That's what I did. Joy. I have a prescription to fix a fucking disorder that I don't have because of codependency with my proctologist and an inability to take care of myself. So that's all true. Maybe we should just keep having you on, and then eventually, by like year six, we're gonna find everything out. It's all there. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be like, and then. Oh, man, my girlfriend would be psyched about that. <laughs> Start that process. She'd be like, "Yeah, can you do your daily podcast? Are you doing? Are you recording you? today? <laughs> that's great because I actually want to know what goes on inside of your head and your heart." <laughs> yeah, it's. I want him to share too because he he'll say he said he loves me a couple times, but I definitely know it was on accident because now he goes, "I care for you a lot," and I'm like, well, "Are you okay? Are you <laughs> bunting? <laughs> What's wrong with you?" Yeah, he's a. Is he an only child? 
No. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to be emotionally stunted and be an adult. It's, it's, uh, it's tricky. It, I'm, I'm overly gushy. Yeah, well, she's great too, but mm-hmm. that, yeah, I, I don't think I'm shut down. I am. No? No, <laughs> no, that's true. You're very shut down. Uh, you know, it's really nice it being open. It's like you feel like you're free and you're like, okay, now I get to have this big passionate life. Not big like material things, but true. like fun, like you glow no, on true. the outside. It's true. You don't get diarrhea as often. It's great. It's a fair point. <laughs> It's a fair point. Should try it. What am I gonna do? Just baby steps. Yep. Talked about my poo today. That was good. <laughs> Did that. George sent me a bunch of articles about how couples that do that that are talk so much about closer, that stuff are better. I like have a much higher bond, and I was like, "That's adorable. That's how I know you don't care a lot about me." <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think though, and then I'll, I'll I'll put the couples therapy to bed. I think that talking about the poo, it's great, like fully mm-hmm. transparent, open stuff. Um, but I think like dumping all of your mess on your partner is not like, that's not actually, that's not an example of transparency. That's like, that's like sloppiness actually. That's just like, you have all this. Like, I also think it's kind of nice to like do a little work on your own and show up like half baked at least. So like, you're not like making the other person have to work for it. Yeah. Like Like a half baked casserole and then you have to put the little French onion things on the top and. Throw it back in the oven. Do like a little work to show up. Like if you're like, if you're feeling like so upset about like a dumb thing that has nothing to do with your relationship, like it doesn't kill you to do that work on your own before you get I know. Home. I still wake him up at three in the morning and, and I'm like, hey, are you awake? Because I just tapped you on the shoulder 7,000 times. Why? <laughs> Did you end up waking up from that? Or Cause, cause I, I have to tell you that I had a I feeling. Had it has nothing to do with you, but I had a feeling. I don't want to metabolize it internally. <laughs> so I just, instead of actually just sitting with my feelings, I want you to have it also. So we're both having the feeling I that I haven't worked on. I just want you to have it. Yeah, exactly. I actually don't <laughs> want to feel my feelings. So can you be aware of my discomfort? And the best part is after I've told him, sleep like a baby. And I can, you sleep like a baby. I do, yeah. And yeah. I look over and he's like watching something on his phone. I'm yeah. like, oh, he's up still. That's weird. Yeah, pass it on. <laughs> Hot potato. Take my shit. I don't want to hold it. So that I think I would take issue with. I, I think yes. I think I think like sending flaming hot I've piles. I've done a lot of, of work, and this is the only thing that's sticking. That's the only thing that's that's, that's sticking around you. Mean. Yeah, you've cleaned up your act, but this you don't want to sit with. This is it's just like I put something tiny on the wheel in my brain, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it's like way down in my throat, and then I just sit there a wide awake going, I can't, I can't hold it anymore. I got to talk to him. He said this thing earlier and it made me, this is what's happening. And here we like, for instance, Oh, the other day. So we, you know, had that little cheat sesh and I've been staying with him and I, we traded cards. So I was, no, it's like a year and a half ago. Okay. We're good though. And, uh, and I took his car to get washed, clean the entire thing out. It was so, and brought everything back, filled the gas tank, Blah, blah, blah. Just trying Lovely, to be nice very considerate. Yeah. because he let me stay with him. Very nice so here you. we go. Yeah. Two days later, he wants to borrow my truck again. We switch uh, and I hit the brake and women's sunglasses shoot out from under his. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I, I'm like, okay, it's four in the morning because I'm going to my radiologist. And I was like, okay, just uh, just think about it later when he's awake, when his phone's off, do not disturb at nine o'clock. And so I have from four until nine to just think about it. <laughs> but really what it was is I gave him sunglasses. He accidentally switched them at work. with So he stole somebody's at work. 
and she, it was a big switcheroo situation. But in, and you are allowed to, not allowed, there's no rules, but it's not unreasonable for you to say, hey, in light of what happened before, when I saw this thing, there was a moment of, of like panic. Triggering. And yes. concern. I put two and two together. Semicolon, it doesn't change the fact that I'm actually still feeling very, very tuned up from the experience. Half of me, yes, half of me when I saw this, when I saw them, I already knew what happened. I was like, this fucking idiot (laughs) stole someone's glasses. Right. And uh, he doesn't know what his look like because I bought them for him for Mexico. So he's like, doesn't know what they look like. These are very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I know what happened. But the other half of me is like, I just cleaned out this car. So this happened in the last two days. (laughs) I was like, what is going on? So... We're getting better. It's We're not, getting better. It's not unreasonable for you to have any of those feelings. I mean, I think the tricky bit about that is like when you take the when you connect the dot of saying, "Well, you did this thing before, and therefore you have essentially turned me into this like PTSD object." So when that happens, I get upset. Therefore, you have to carry that discomfort. That's where the shit never gets better. Yes. So, but he's pretty good about that's it. That's amazing. I know. You guys are working through shit and talking about hard stuff. <laughs> I know because I force him to. <laughs> And he every chance I get. Does he really <laughs> every cares three about you? I, I get. Yeah, he does because he cares about me a lot. Wow. <laughs> I really I care about you a lot. Is that a question mark? <laughs> you gotta love emotionally stunted men. Give them a place to be. It's just because you are in it with them. He probably has a really corporate Instagram page too, and just kind of <laughs> he does keeps his feelings at bay and. Post images that like vaguely talk loosely about his life, but only in a kind of I safe, I showed him the tagged, the tagged photo button on Instagram and he goes, how are those on there? And I was like, no, this isn't your feed. I this is same, your tag. I had the same experience. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is that? Why would you, why would you do that? How does that, can it be undone? I had the same feeling. Yeah. And I, he's like, is that the thing that, and I was like, no, that's not your, don't worry. Right. Here's the still over here. <laughs> That same feeling. I, 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 I was identify like, I with never should have. Yeah. Yes, you are him. You're yeah. emotionally stunted, and I feel. What is your girlfriend's name? Jennifer. Really? That's my middle name. Uh, I feel for you, Jennifer, and uh, we'll have you in, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll just go have wine and be like, "Aren't they dumb?" <laughs> you yes. guys all are. All right. Uh, so, where can we find you? What's your TED Talk? When? What is your TED Talk link? What's the key, the keywords? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I think looking versus reading was the name of the TED Talk. I okay. Think. Yeah, you can look at that. You mm-hmm. can look at my uh, not very revealing uh, Instagram account. <laughs> um, and uh, and I mean, it's it. cute. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's about it. There's no one. There's no. For all you aspiring architects out there. You can go look at our buildings. Yeah. You can walk by the building. You can walk through the building. Yeah, you, can you know, all those it, things. <laughs> you can look for, read the building. Yeah. All those things. What is your Instagram? Uh, at Danny Forster. Oh my gosh. Got, his storytelling is phenomenal. So it's, uh, is it the moth? They have it on moth radio. Uh, I think so. Yeah. It's yeah. on a recorded podcast. It's yeah. incredible. Uh, so, I always forget if it's Moth or the other one. Um, so make sure to check that out and also follow us at uh, Happy Never After Podcast on Instagram or follow me directly at Mara Merrick. Thanks, you guys. Uh, talk to you next week. Later.